lesson. And we'll see how far we get today with it, though. And hang on to it just in case we don't finish, because I didn't make 40 copies. Yeah, they should line up very nicely, though. I hope that you're uh, getting a great deal out of this particular class as far as the importance of uh, looking what Scripture has to say about the God that we worship and praise and who we, who we serve. And uh, it's been a very, it's been a, quite a bit of an eye-opener for me just because of the uh, things that we've been talking about, things we've been discussing. And we as, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't call us Bible scholars because we're always learning and we're always still growing and improving, but I also know that we are good enough when it comes to relationships with other people that we should be able to um, speak about Christ, speak about Christ and what he's done for us personally. We should also be able to speak to the fact that we are uh, truly blessed to have him in our lives and pass this on to other people when we are discipling them. Um, And of course, we also need to be discipled as well too every now and then. Uh, because we have our own issues that we have to deal with. But I think if you don't have any other takeaway at all from this lesson, uh, is that it's really, really important for you to humble yourself before the Lord, humble yourself before Him, especially when you're not doing what you should be doing, and uh, seek His forgiveness. Um, He is very patient. He is long-suffering. And He just wants to see what's the best for you uh, in your relationship with Him. And in that, you can pass that on to other people as well, too. So we're in lesson number five, uh, the God of empathy. Uh, And this is something we'll be looking at uh, for this very short lesson about uh, God's empathy towards each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Father, we just thank you for this time you've given us to come before you. Lord, we thank you for being this God of empathy that we're going to study and look at a little bit more. We thank you for your presence this morning. We are reminded where more than two are gathered, you are in our presence. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity to sit and learn quietly about who you are, and we are learning more and more each day. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise for all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, lesson number five, the God of empathy. This is the final phase of the section of the study um, in missing pieces for God, do you care? Um, This is like the the summary or the the closeout of this particular section of the lesson. And it's a very, very interesting beginning here that we'll look at. This is a section that uh, Jennifer Rothschild spoke about in, in the text, and this is about her visit with a doctor, and I want you to see if any of this stuff that you're going to be reading about or, or looking at has any similarity to you personally, because um, I've been in front of different doctors in my lifetime, and they all have different personalities, and they're very interesting. Um, you have to understand that doctors are human beings, too. They might have a medical school background, but that doesn't make them perfect especially when it comes to human relations. You're going to find that for believers, too. There are some believers that sometimes struggle with interpersonal relationships. Um, and that's just part of life. That's what they do. They, 
you're talking about individuals with different personalities. Um, so let's take a look at this and see if this makes sense for you as well, too. Um, at the top of the handout, uh, there's two pages, so hang on to both of them. Um, maybe this will be the year she smiles. I thought while waiting for my annual physical. The doctor I had seen for the last many years was a good doctor, but she sorely lacked in bedside manners and manners in general. She entered my room, and by the dull, monotone sound of her voice, I realized this wasn't the year for her smile. She droned through her usual questions about new meds and commenting on weight, blood pressure, and such. She still hasn't looked up at me, I thought. I knew she hadn't because her voice was droning into her clipboard. Then the exam began. She's a fine doctor, but I've had better interactions with empty cardboard boxes. And they're much cheaper. That's right. You go to the doctor, you've got to pay for that too. So not only do you have to pay for the doctor, you have to pay for a doctor who seems very interpersonal, not, not very personable. Um, and that, that's an issue. <laughs> that would be an issue for me. She finished and asked, do you have any questions? With that tone that suggests you better not, and then shot out of the room before I could answer. As I dressed, I thought, I'm 47, a big girl. If I don't want to use this dock anymore, I don't have to. This is my last time. I felt empowered as I passed the receptionist without an appointment for the following year. The next year arrived and it was time for a new doctor. I found a general physician and when she entered my examination room, she was effusive and warm. I like her, I thought. She's more interesting than a cardboard box. She asked questions. Her voice never fell flatly on the ground and was not once swallowed by a clipboard. She was actually making eye contact. She listened and took her time, and even the room didn't feel so frigid. Then she told me we were the same age, and many of the changes I was experiencing, she was too. When I told her I felt fuzzy-headed and moodier more than I used to, she laughed and said she could identify there's something that can help with your memory and mood, she said. It's called, uh, um, it's called, <laughs> uh, um, it's a memory-enhancing supplement. You've heard of it. What is it called? I forgot what it's called, she cried. I'll be right back. Let me go look it up in the book in my office. I know what it's called. I can't believe I can't remember. Now, I got to tell you something. I understand the fact that this person is blacking out when it comes to a memory supplement, but this is a 47-year-old doctor that can't remember something. So, Now, that's just me talking. But I, you know, everybody has a different experience with doctors, so I can't get into all that. But what she's showing is that she's a human being. She's a real person. A lot of doctors kind of forget how to be human beings. Pardon me? Well, she did look it up. She was going to go look it up. That's right. So as she ran out to her desk to confirm the name of a supplement, I laughed and thought, I really like having a doctor who knows what it feels like to be me, but who is capable of healing me. That's a great observation. So she's a human being. She's a doctor. She wants to be able to relate to this person, and so far the person seems to be relatable. Now what is the point of all this? Well, let's get to that. We have a great physician, in the bold print there, who knows what it feels like to be us, yet is capable of healing us. 
Amen? And you know who this great physician is. We know that God is very capable of healing us. We've gone through some studies earlier in this class that talks about how he indeed does heal us. And there are situations where he has made a choice to not heal us or not provide healing. But we know that he is very capable of healing us. But the emphasis on this particular part of the lesson is, is that he, is, he knows what it feels like to be us. And that's from personal experience. What's this phrase about how walking in another person's shoes, if you don't, you know, you won't really be able to comment about something on a person's life unless you've walked in the other person's shoes. Don't judge until you've walked into, don't, until you've walked in another person's shoes for a mile or something like that. I'm butchering the, the whole thing. I know. Don't judge them unless you've walked a mile in your shoes, their shoes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, this concludes this segment of Mel botching quotes, and we'll move on to the next part of the lesson. Okay. But that's exactly what I was trying to say, and, and my wife helped me out immensely and corrected me. How does the writer of Hebrews describe Jesus? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and take a look at it. Hebrews 4. Now we refer to him as the great physician, which is what he is. But in Hebrews 4.15, we were referring to him as a great high priest. But let's look at what it says in verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see Jesus as this great high priest? Even though he is the name above all names, our high priest, the counselor, mighty counselor, wonderful God, prince of peace, he still relates to us. He knows what we go through. He knows what we have been going through. Jesus is our high priest who identifies with our weaknesses. He has felt our pain and endured our temptation. He offers far more than sympathy and expertise. We have a far powerful, great physician who gives the sweetest gift. Empathy. Empathy. Now, it says there down below, write what you think empathy is and what it means to empathize. Now, I want you, without going further ahead in the lesson, you give me what you think the word empathy represents. What is it to be empathetic towards someone else? Yes. Understanding. That's a good, that's a good word. One word description. Understanding. What else? Say it again, please. You try to feel what they're feeling. Okay. That's good. You can identify with what they're going through. Very good. 
That must be, that must be the bleacher section back there because y'all are so far away compared to where you normally are. It's okay. You're trying to walk a mile in their shoes. Okay. Any others? Those are all good descriptions. So if you want to jot down those words that were just used, understanding, you know, relatability, walking a mile in their shoes. Empathy means that you really do have care and concern for the other person, and it's expressed in how, frankly, you treat that person. We were talking about what the doctor was doing, the first doctor was doing, and the first doctor, first doctor was just kind of moving through and really didn't care what the other person's feelings were. Don't even ask any questions about your health right now is the way it came across in that first interaction. Eye contact is a big deal, by the way. Eye contact is a huge deal. One of the things that I've learned when I'm... Uh, we, we had some interviews over the past few weeks, and I had interviewed someone who's going to be working, hopefully, for under me. Um, but the person... The previous interviews, they would not make eye contact very well. It would be spotty here and there. This last person that we interviewed actually did make some eye contact after sitting and thinking about answers to questions. Eye contact is a big deal. If you're not making eye contact, it typically means, in a really weird way, sometimes you have something to hide. Maybe it's about your own personality. Maybe it's about how you just don't relate well with people and it's, it's just kind of hard for you to emulate anything. But making eye contact is a big deal. The second doctor, you remember, made eye contact, was actually looking at the patient. Very important for us to see. So to have empathy is to understand or identify with someone, to care about, deeply relate to, and enter into their situation or feelings. Notice the key words there in that mini-definition. Understand, which was mentioned, identify with someone, care about them, deeply relate to them, and enter into their situation or feelings. In order for you to know about what's going on in someone's life, guess what you have to do? Sit down quietly and listen. That's what you have to do. If you're busy doing all the talking in an interaction between another person, you're not listening. You're offering advice with, without even knowing exactly what is going on with that person's life. You have to sit and just be quiet and listen. That's where you begin to have empathy. Guess what our Heavenly Father does? When we're praying to Him, He listens. He hears our prayers. He knows what's on our hearts because we're expressing ourselves. That's really important for us to understand. He listens. He hears us. And it's important for us when we are in the middle of a conversation with other people that we listen and give them eye contact and not act like, you know, you're too busy for the conversation, like, you know, you're checking your email or looking at your phone or studying, you know, somebody else or looking across the room at another conversation because you don't want to be bothered with somebody right now. You'd just rather go and some, do something else. You see where that's going? That's not showing empathy. And we need to do that even for people who are not our 
close friends, they may be acquaintances, they may be people we associate with, but they may be coming to you because God sent them to you. You see where I'm going with this? We need to be empathetic in our communication. Do you think Jesus can empathize with your difficult situations? Yes. Thank you. Everybody's just staring at me when I ask that question. The answer is yes. Now, if you don't think he does, that's okay too. There is something that he needs to show you, okay? But let's say, let's say yes. The answer is yes. Why? Why do you think Jesus can empathize with your difficult situations? Because he went through these situations himself. That's right. That's right. That's the best evidence you can have. If you have evidence that shows in Scripture that he went through this stuff himself, you have someone who's relatable. Anyone else? Say it again. What she said is about as good as it gets. You're right. He can relate because he can empathize with... And he went through difficult situations. The most difficult situations that he went through, you know, are ones that I wouldn't want to go through, but yet we do have encounters with Satan all the time, don't we? Amen? Amen. We, we have encounters with Satan all the time in, in different ways. So those are the very things that he went through, we go through. I was just waiting. Okay. So <laughs> can you think of a situation Jesus faced during his earthly life gives evidence he knows what you're feeling. If so, jot it down here. What, what think, can you think of a situation Jesus faced? Now, it's easy to, to zero in on uh, Matthew chapter 4, Ma- Matthew chapter four uh, when he was taken up into, uh, into the wilderness and all that. You can zero in on that one, but let's think of some others if you can too. Yes. From the very beginning, he experienced rejection, especially when he went into ministry, into his ministry. That's right. Yes. False friends with Judas. Judas. Yeah. That's a great example. Not everybody who claims to be your friend can be trusted, can they? You've run into that in your lifetime, I'm sure. I know that I've run into that. I'm thankful there's no one here. Amen. Um, But I've run into that too as well. Who else? What else? Hmm. Rejection of his family members. Okay. Oh, Peter is a great example too. No, that's no, that's an excellent example. Yes. Dealing with leadership. That's right. The Sadducees, 
the, the leaders, the opposition, the Pharisees, the leadership, they didn't want anything good for him. Anything else? These are all excellent examples, by the way. So you all know more than you realize. When it comes to discipling people, you, you have a lot of stuff that you can draw upon and share with people. If you're sharing, if you're sharing with someone about what, what it means to serve Jesus Christ, you're going to face rejection. And you can pull these examples that you're giving right now about what Christ went through to show that you are a lot like what he had to go through. Rejection. Scorn. Difficulty. And even the fact that Jesus had to pray while he was, you know, certainly he was in the flesh as well as being divine, he knew that that cup that he had to drink was overwhelming and had to pray for strength, which we read about in Scripture as well, too. But yet he knew how important it was, after all is said and done, to do what? Be obedient to God's will, in spite of what he was going through. And even in that, that's an opportunity where you can be strengthened. Because being obedient to God's will is almost, it has a power in itself about strengthening you to be able to do and go through whatever you're going through. Excellent, excellent examples. So you see about this evidence. Though there are a number of stories of Jesus facing pain, hunger, temptation, rejection, fatigue, and all the other trappings of humanity, we know he can empathize with your pain simply because our Messiah was to be a suffering servant. Remember he said he did not come to do what? To serve others, but to serve. Served by others. I'm sorry, that's, I didn't say it right. Served by others, but to serve. He is our suffering, he was our suffering servant. How does Isaiah, I'm on the top of page two, in case y'all didn't figure it out. I already moved along. How does Isaiah 53.5 describe Messiah Jesus? Well, let's take a look. Let's go to Isaiah. As soon as I push the right buttons too. Isaiah 53. Just for fun, I'm going to read, start reading at verse 1. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a dry root out like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Now the key verse here is verse three. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was not he was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's a description of Jesus and his life on earth. 
He was despised and rejected by men. You know, we, we hear about the stories where he went to these crowds and he spoke to different people and many people came to know and acknowledge that he was indeed the true Messiah. But a lot of folks didn't. A lot of people didn't. And those times where they actually tried to measure it and there was a dispute, half of the people agreed with him, half of them disagreed. So it wasn't like everybody that he spoke to acknowledged who he was. He was despised. He was rejected. We need to understand that that is why he is relatable to us. When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, some of us were rejected by our old friends or family. You might be an outlier in the family because you might be the only one who knows the Lord and the rest of them are just living in the world. This is very, very common. And how does that make you feel if you're rejected by your family and rejected by your friends? You tell me. You feel left out. You feel awful. It's nothing, no sense in, don't hold back. <laughs> it's not a good feeling to be rejected by your own family and friends. The people who said who are your friends, and they know now you're a believer, and they do everything they can to either avoid you or not even want to talk to you or want to associate with you, or they might have you around, but you don't feel like you're part of the group. On occasion, if the conversation changes or turns. Sometimes they'll attack you for what you believe. Sometimes they'll just swear in your presence and drink and act all crazy. And here you are sitting over, you know, just observing. In your case, they don't believe your faith. They don't believe that you believe. Gotcha. Okay. So this is a bigger deal than you, if you really think about it. This is a challenge for us. Yes, Pearl, I'm sorry, you had your hand up. That's right. That's right. Very good, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 
okay. No, that's okay. That's a, that's a good point. I think it comes down to ultimately where you come from. Typically what we do, just, just for the sake of conversation, my wife and I, we don't hand out candy on Halloween. We, we have made it now a ritual every year on Halloween night to go out to dinner. We just leave the house, lights are all off, and we just don't hand out candy. Um, and that time of year, you're going to be bombarded with candy. And that's what happens. I, I've been taking bags of candy to work and just leaving them out. But not for Halloween's sake, just because I leave out candy, because I know if you sugar up your employees enough, they'll do just about anything you want. Uh, but, <laughs> but I don't hand out candy for Halloween at, at home. Um, we just have decided not to participate in that. And go ahead, Lynn. Romans 14. Right. 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 And that's, that's ultimately where we all are with this. this. It has to be up to you to determine that. But we understand that when you make that stance, when you take that position, be prepared to know that you are not going to be accepted by this world because of your position. As long as you understand that, that's what's going on. Because, you know, some people, you know, some people dress up for Halloween, go to work dressed up for Halloween, do that. Not as much this year. It's been kind of interesting how that's been kind of downplayed. But they're still there. It's still out there. Halloween is one of the, has grown, I mean, you know, just for the sake of conversation here, Halloween is going to be one of the biggest non-holiday holidays for the year. I mean, to the point where they're selling lights, they're selling, you, their people are putting out lights on their houses. Um, cards are very popular. There's all kinds of stuff about Halloween that it is one of those types of um, non-holiday holidays. You don't get a day off for Halloween. You don't get anything like that. But, but people spend a lot of money for parties and stuff like that. Costumes. It's grown, it's grown immensely. It's, um, I don't know if it's number two or it's number two now. It's number two behind what, Valentine's Day? It's number two behind Christmas for decorating. That's pretty interesting. So you really will feel like an outlier if you don't participate. But getting back to what I was saying before about how Jesus relates to us because he was rejected and despised. Because we're rejected and despised for what we believe too. And don't you dare talk about Christ in the workplace. Amen? We know where that comes from. We know that that can be an issue in a lot of places. You need to be very, very aware of what's going on and make sure that if a person is coming to you about having a conversation that you do so 
Do so with the Spirit leading. Amen. Spirit won't steer you wrong. Okay? So we see from Isaiah 53.3 that Jesus the Messiah was one from whom men hide their faces because he was despised and we esteemed him not. Have you ever felt despised or rejected? Yes. You absolutely have been despised or rejected. And sometimes you're despised and rejected you don't even know it. People will talk behind your back. People will say stuff about you. You know, they might say something to your face that might be acceptable, but ultimately you're still rejected. Jesus knows how that feels. He can empathize. That's the word we want to keep emphasizing here. Remember from school that verbs are action words. Read Isaiah 53.4 and note the verbs. What did Jesus do? Look at verse 4 in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. What did he do? He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Now, this is something that we need to see. This is written as a matter of prophecy, but this is something that he has done in the past and he is doing in the present. Today he is doing that. He knows when you are being persecuted. He has certainly understood what you've gone through. He knows that you're hurt and understands it. And you should be hurt. You know, some of us have Teflon, you know, sometimes you can just deal with anything, right? But not everything. It's no fun to be persecuted, left out. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Note the word grief and sorrow. Yeah. What grief do you bear? Jesus bears that grief with you. What sorrow do you carry? Jesus carries that sorrow with you. You know, when you're grieving, you know, we, we'll be going to a celebration of life service on December 1st for the man who passed away, um, a friend of ours, and there's grief and sorrow for, for those who are close to him, especially his wife, of course. And we took her out to dinner the other day just to get her out of the house. And that was a welcome change. And the way she's processing this grief and sorrow is by staying busy. There's a lot of stuff to look at. You know, when someone passes away, you've got to look at their finances. You've got to look at all this other stuff that's going on. You have an insurance claim. You have all these different to-dos, this to-do checklist, even in the midst of all this stuff you're going through. And sometimes that's how you deal with the grief and sorrow because if you sit long enough, you'll just probably collapse. So you keep moving. And she's actually doing relatively well, but we know that there's a precipice that that person is on right now. 
because you lose your dad and you lose your husband in the course of a month, there's a lot to process. So you just sometimes have to do. There's grief and sorrow. And the one thing that we have to also understand, too, is that this person is still not really a believer. And there were a lot of things that were happening even after her husband died, like the garage door broke, there was a leak in the kitchen from a dishwasher that wasn't fixed right, one of the cabinets had come down off the hinges because I guess the wood screws had been loosened, and she felt like there was just this piling on going on now after all this was happening. It really was just probably just the course of life, and it was a bad timing thing. But, you know, she was taking it like, why is God allowing all this stuff to happen to me right now? You can't answer a question like that. And you better not say it's God's will. Don't say <laughs> yeah, my wife, yeah, I was, I was going to say that goes without saying because we've said it enough here. But, yeah, it's not God. Well, it's God's will. The garage door came off the track, whatever. No, you can't say that. That isn't being very empathetic, is it? Because everything that this person's experiencing, we've experienced. We've experienced it. Things happen outside of those tragedies. Life happens. We don't have an explanation for it. We just deal with it. So Jesus carries our grief he bears our grief. He carries that sorrow. Jesus was oppressed and afflicted. He was acquainted with grief. He knew what it felt like. He still does. Jesus is not the cold, distant physician who won't make eye contact with your questions and suffering. He's not the detached expert who hurries out of your pain. Amen for that. We would have some real problems if God was anything like this. He wants us to know that he relates to us. In his humanity, Jesus chose to patiently walk our roads, feel our pain, and cry our tears. But in his deity, he has the power to deliver us when his authority and compassion deem it best. Remember those words we emphasized before? His authority and his compassion. He is still in authority. He's still in charge. He is compassionate. But we just don't understand sometimes how he delivers it. But we know he has it. He has the capability of doing so. He knows what it feels like to weep, to feel pain and sorrow. He also knows how to reach us in our pain with his compassion. He wept for Jerusalem. He weeps for those who are weeping. When Lazarus passed away, he wept because he saw the anguish of the people. He understands what we go through. No fault. Still get, that's right. Yeah, he was innocent. And still was deemed guilty. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Right. 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 Yep. Okay. I think the lesson, I'm sorry, I think the lesson here too to understand is that when you are rejected or scorned, you can go to a place that pushes you even further away from the Lord, especially when you're angry. That's something that's a that's an important lesson to learn here is that he doesn't want you to ultimately just be angry. He wants you to still come to him and understand who he is. By the way, he understands your anger. He understands everything about you. So let him reach you. Ask him to enter your circumstance and show you he cares because he does. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes even faith doesn't seem to make sense. But God can fill those missing pieces with something far better than answers. He fills that void with himself. Ask him to do that for you today. I pray that you have seen and been reminded that God cares deeply for you. Now there are some questions down there on the bottom. Those you can look at on your own uh, for your consideration. 
And those are questions that summarize what we talked about for the past few weeks. But that was today's lesson. I want you to see about how you serve a God of empathy. He knows what you're going through. But he still challenges you to seek after him. He can help you deal with these issues that we deal with from a day-to-day basis. Because he relates to you. Amen? He also does say to cast our cares upon him. That's right. He wants to carry those burdens with you. That's exactly why he says that. Father, we just learn so much if we just take the time to look at what your word says about who you are and your character. We know that you are a God who truly does care. We know that you can relate to us. And Lord, help us to not carry these burdens on our own when you readily tell us to come to you and share them with you. Share how we are feeling. Lord, we want your comfort. We want to experience your peace in those times when things are very, very tough. Lord, we want to help We want you to help us to deal with these things as they come. And Lord, we sometimes are proud and don't want to come to you. Help us with that right now. Especially us guys. Where we are sometimes just too proud to deal with those very issues that we need to deal with. And we know that you will help us with those very things. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. Thank you for being relatable to us. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for your long-suffering. We pray now, Lord, that you'll just help, help us to be able to communicate with others those very attributes when we speak to them about who you are. Help us to be good listeners too, Lord. Help us to sit quietly and hear what other people say so that we can understand what's going on and we can also hear the Spirit speaking in that very issue as well, too. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.